Uh, all right. Uh, I guess I'll introduce this thing. I, I already forgot what the introduction is supposed to be. Please have a seat, class. Uh, welcome to Free Art School University, uh, your one-stop shop for getting a little education for, for, that, for that premium price of free. Yeah, for that little art mind today, we got Lily Sparks. Oh, Wait, me? we forgot to introduce ourselves again, Gabriel. Fuck! Damn. Yeah, who am I talking to? Uh, Wait, do you hear that? Yeah, yeah, it's fucking up. Let's start restart. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Take two. Welcome to your Ooh. free art school universe. <laughs> it's just us being like, at the end, it's going to be like, like distorted. It's going to sound like we're like, Calling you like from Saw. Yeah. Oh no. You, eventually, you guys are gonna just be robots, and it's just gonna be so good. I'm gonna okay. be Welcome. hot Siri for Halloween. <laughs> Welcome to your free art school university. Uh, please have your seats. We give you a nice little education for the premium price of free. My name is Alex. I am your uh, camp counselor. I'm Gabriel Chez. My role today. Uh, teacher. We're, we're, I'm just teacher now. You, you keep getting promoted. Jesus Christ. I, get, I went from janitor to teacher. All right. And who, who do we have uh, as a guest today, Gabriel? We got Lily Sparks, a fellow student. Well, I'm a teacher, so I guess she's just my student for today. Uh, yeah, I was, as you were saying, this is like a, like a university thing. I'm like, I'm not qualified <laughs> to teach anyone shit. Anything I say is grains of salt. Well, there's well, a specific you know, there, there's reason a relationship. we have yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let me let me let me say reason. what Lily does, and then we can we can. Okay, get into okay, it. okay, okay. She's a student. She she does stand up around Baltimore. She has relations in the scene. Also, is an aspiring TV writer. Uh, I'd say we have a lot in common. We write a lot. We we write some scripts. Uh, Lots to do with creative writing, but also she's an illustrator. She has many digital works. She just showed me something right now. I, I liked all that, but I didn't like when you say I'm similar to you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I have to quickly, before we get started, I have to address for the school. There's been an incident that's been happening uh, on our campus lately, and uh, it's 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 got to stop. There are kids oh, no. uh, who have been sniffing other kids, and... It's it's just not okay. Do not sniff kids. You know it's it don't. It, it's just wrong. This okay, is a really invading fun that that personal space of somebody else and inhaling and yeah, nobody nobody likes being sniffed. Uh, I feel like well, that was a really like strong statement because <laughs> like you're like nobody. Some people <laughs> like being sniffed. I'm sure. Well, what is your opinion on on this this a- epidemic that is happening in our university? Kids are sniffing kids, and it's just I don't know. I I I I don't know how to handle this situation. I, I mean, I can tell you don't know how to handle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't really handle it. Just just let them do what they want. It's oh no, okay. we are a university. We can't we can't be allowing this to happen. This tomfoolery. This triggered a really weird memory. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> in 8th grade, there was Ass Lap, Lap Tuesdays at my middle school, <laughs> junior high, I mean. And how did the school respond to that? I don't think they knew about it. 
Oh, it was our dirty little secret. Well, this is Kid Sniff Friday, and we we are not having any of it at this university. Okay. Mm-hmm. If someone, if 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 you smell a smelly person, are you going? Are you gonna lean in and sniff them more? Are you gonna say something? What 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 is the appropriate response to if someone smells bad? I think you have to read that room when it comes. One time, it was the end of the year, and we were all watching um, Get Out together. And this guy smelled really bad, and like no one was saying anything. But then he hugged me, and, and I was like letting go. And as like as a joke, he like hugged me longer. It <laughs> wasn't creepy in the moment, but because he smelled so bad, I was like, no, you can't do this. You smell bad. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you just, just blurt it out? Yeah. <laughs> he just held you hostage for that moment. Like you could say something. <laughs> I did, and he was like, thanks, Lily, for speaking up. Everyone else is fake. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's actually a good point. I always feel that uh, because people who smell bad don't know they smell bad. I don't I know don't when know I if smell that's bad. True. I know when I smell bad. <laughs> I know when I smell really bad, but there's a middle point of bad that nobody knows. If you smell really bad, then you're noticing it. Yes. Yeah, because like the thing is, like I think it's like if you're kind of like in your own personal like bubble and you don't smell good, it like doesn't fill up the room. It's like sometimes it's like that. But if you like, if it's obnoxious, then I don't know. Like when I was younger, I'd like leave school early because I was like my period or something, and I forgot deodorant because I was like in pain. And my mom would be in the elevator, and she's like, "You have a problem." And I'm like, "Mom, fuck <laughs> off right now! I know I have a problem. I can't really fix this. I left school at 11:30, and I want to vom. So let's just get over it. Welcome to my psyche." <laughs> well. Uh, this was all I had prepared for this episode. No, oh, that's it. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> all I had was uh, just a. I just wanted to talk about smells. Uh, I don't know. I, I it was just on my mind. You know, I I think I was a smelly kid when I was younger, and I think uh, yeah, I, I I didn't know it. Are you writing about it? Are you, are you adding it to your craft? Is it? Uh, uh... <laughs> it's just something to reflect on. You know. <laughs> You got to put the adversity in your scripts. <laughs> the darkest hour. A full feature on how uh, I I finally the my, well not me my main character because it's not about me you know it's it's fictional, but right. my main character dealt with their whole lives uh, with with smelly smelly underarms, right. and uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and then uh, one day, the third act came. I actually think that you could make a story based on the idea of like someone smelling bad, realizing, and then like trying to change it. <laughs> yeah, Is that, that not too simple the... though? Simil- I don't you think could, that, I mean, like, that... you could write it. It's great. Like if it was like it... especially like an adolescent perspective, and it was like because I remember it was like the summer of six going into seventh grade. And I was like, how popular am I on a scale of one to ten? And she was like two. maybe she was judging you based on your smell yeah did you know um no it was my personality (laughs) (laughs) but like i think like i feel like that would be an interesting idea maybe not like smell but like smell is too limiting this idea of like someone makes you aware and like because we don't have the hindsight when we're like that young to be like oh these these are clear problems that i could solve by just wearing deodorant right and you can use that as like a metaphor through the whole thing yeah or like even just being like taking like escalating the idea 
where it's like, okay, I'm not just, I want to smell okay. I want to smell really good. I want to be the best smelling girl in school. Yes. And, and then you realize, wait, I don't have to, I, I don't have to do this. Yeah. And then you All don't shower because showering is optional. <laughs> Those both extremes. While we're unpacking my middle school experience, I didn't brush my teeth for a few months because the adult's toothpaste was too spicy in sixth grade. Middle school. Middle school. How were you writing you in middle school? Were you already yeah. doing scripts by then? Is that something that you wanted to do already? or? No. no. I mean, I definitely like creatively wrote as a kid. Mm-hmm. I was... Well, I had a lot of issue with creative writing because I didn't even think about scripts. And I was, I'm really bad at prose writing. Like, I kind of hate it. Like, I hate, like, I like it. Like, I like other people. But, like, when I was in ninth grade or, like, in high school, I read, like, Kurt Vonnegut. And I was like, oh, you can write. And it's not just, like, flowery because I'm really bad at flower writing. I was okay at poetry. I, I 100% get that uh, because if, if you write novels, you have to be in love with the idea of using words as that flowery text of painting a picture. Uh, script writing is the very different from that. It's, uh, I don't know, I love script writing because I love structure. I love... Uh, yeah, you got to think about the whole structure of it. There's less importance on like the specific words that you're choosing, whereas in poetry, it's like all about that, you know? Yeah, like, and I think I like poetry because it's, like, short, too. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, for me, it's just, like, boom, 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 boom. And that's, like, more how I think when I write. And I think I'm a good screenwriter. I don't think I'm great at prose. I feel like I'm the opposite, actually. I think, well, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) That's Gabriel's hot take of the episode. I I don't know. (laughs) I love the connections between words, and I think, like, wordplay I really like. And so that when I incorporate that into prose, into long-form writing, when I'm making, like, academic essays, I'm I'm already making, like, jokes in there. Like, even though, like, it it feels like I... There is a necessity to be formal in it, but... Yeah, I'm also like got shit on a lot for writing, especially academically, because I'm like low key dyslexic and I like can't <laughs> read my own shit. Yeah, I'm usually wait, a wait, wait, wait. <laughs> What do you mean by low key dyslexic? I would. It's like if it's there, it's mild. You know, like you're on the spectrum. On the spectrum, like you know, I think I'm on the spectrum for like because I looked it up and there's some other shit, but like I can't proofread my own shit and i want to screen write for a living so it's like really fun mm-hmm. that's, like, <laughs> that's a fun time <laughs> I, th- I think about that a lot in my decisions but yeah like i think growing up i like i did like i had like those like two months where i creative wrote a lot and then i had like i drew anime girls in middle hell school yeah. a lot <laughs> hell yeah and I <laughs> dude went, bro can i can i tell you a another middle school memory yes yeah all of them so this i'm gonna use a bad word in this but this is a quote all right we'll allow it it's the r1 it's every every student in the room just close your ears uh if you're i drew this anime girl and i was carrying around all day and like kind of like leaving it out so that like people could like see it and then like the cool guys in a table my friend told me said it looked like a retarded whore. <laughs> Get out of my classroom, Lily. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. And that's a quote. <laughs> oh my god. Well, I, I think it's interesting that you started off doing illustration because I think it's still 
do, do, does it feel like it's still a part of the vein of just storytelling to you or is it completely separate? Yeah, so I came into Micah and I was doing it. I was like, I'm going to do illustration because I think it was like kind of like a way where I could be creative and like have a career. And I was like, oh, there's like a path for this. And I always was into like this story of like illustration and telling a story in illustration. But then I realized like what's the most effective way of telling a story. And that kind of changed to like from illustration to film. Right. Yeah. Having a time based medium, I found like you could get you can cram so much more concept into something, especially using words. And yeah. all that, just like in a, the most basic sense, like I feel like, and then like some people are kind of like sh- assholes. They're like shitty, or like they're like when you say that's like, but you can do so much in like the draw. I'm like, fuck off. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can, but like it's easier in some ways. I think. Mm-hmm. I yeah, know. I mean, I I think it's just dependent on the person. You know, if you're a person who thinks uh in single images or someone who thinks in multiple images i mean that's uh, that's the whole point of like picking the medium you know uh you like you can have a concept for like a cool illustrative piece that you can't do in film or whatever and then you can go for that Uh, and that's why it's more impactful in that medium yeah i guess anything should be the best medium for like telling that whatever you want to tell because it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be story technically but like, oh no, I like. I don't know if I'm actually a great storyteller. If you can tell, right now, <laughs> but I um I love story. I, I like feel telling. like I'm a shit storyteller when it comes. I mean, Same. Uh, who's the judge? <laughs> okay, you guys are gonna be the worst critics of how well you're 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 doing stories. But like, who who are you looking up to that like you could get like a critique from other than like I don't know a teacher or whatever. I like to think that if I was bad at storytelling at this, like if I was really bad at what I like continue to pursue, someone would tell me by now, you know, someone would have been up. They'd finally (laughs) take you into a room and they'd be like, Lily, it's, you've been alive for how many years? I think it's, I think it's my job. It's, I've seen it. My path was just to get to this moment where I tell you. Time to hang it up. You aren't funny. Yeah. And your stories, they're cliched. We've heard them before. <laughs> and yeah, you can draw boobs. So what? Right. Anyone can. They're just some Well, tiles. that's not true. I well, can't, that's I can't high draw demand. boobs. Well, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to take like a full college course to be able to learn how to draw boobs, right? Anatomy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because like I can't get the sexy of the boob. I can just get the boob of the boob, you know? And that's just that. You can you draw know, a that, circle. I can draw a circle, but I can't. I can't do anything more than that. I really like drawing boobs, <laughs> like non-sexually. They're fun to draw. They they can be, yeah. I I don't remember when I was young. I know there was a certain body part that I really liked. I don't know if it was like the nose or something, like just something specific that was really fun. And I it, it has to do with that curve action. Yeah, that makes sense. I, like, couldn't draw a penis for a long time, too. Uh, I, like, I was... Because I drew a penis on a mean note that me and my friend group in eighth grade... I'm sorry, middle school's a motif now. (laughs) But, like, (laughs) I drew a penis on that, and I... It got back to the vice principal, and I didn't come to the office, but my friend got the office, and he was, like... Because I didn't do anything private, and he was, like, did Lily Sparks draw this? And my friend's like, yes, because it wasn't like a, it, we were just like 
saying it, you know. <laughs> he didn't have to, like, protect me. But, like, he was like, this is a badly drawn penis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, That's she a doesn't know what a penis right looks yeah. like. <laughs> and I couldn't draw a penis until, like, like, like freshman year. Because I'm always scared I'm going to draw it and people are going to be like, you've never gone laid. <laughs> like, clearly. <laughs> clearly you are a virgin. You have never seen one of these in real life. Like, you have never. You don't know what this looks like. And it's like, part of me would be like... Even though I have seen one in real life at this point, I'd be like, I guess not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm a virgin again. Right. I'm uh, a born-again virgin. In my middle school, like, you'd see, like, a, a, a pee-pee all the time. You, you go into uh, the bathroom, you see poorly drawn pee-pees. Oh, I thought but you were going some somewhere reason. else with that. I thought you were just walking into bathrooms <laughs> and boys bathroom were flashing. In my middle school, everyone walked around naked. Yeah. We were a nudist. All right, oh. what, what, uh, what's your opinion? Okay, even though this is more of a male thing, Lily, what's your opinion about a, a guy pulling their pants all the way down to their ankles to pee? It's hot. <laughs> <laughs> Sexual. Invigorating. Because I really, Okay, this is going to be me outing myself. I do it when I'm oh, alone wait. in my bathroom. I, will, I won't just do the fly. I'll just I'll pull my pants down. Because I'm just like... You can't, I, you can't just, do that in a public place. Okay, yeah, then I mean, that's the fine. Grime. Like, that's like... I guess, like, I'm not going to, like... I don't love it. Like, I don't love hearing that about you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also not going to be like... it's. I mean, I've, you said in your own home, I can't... Yeah, I can't, yeah. I, yeah, you can't judge that. I can't judge that. Like You could pee naked. We don't care. Yeah, honestly... What if I told you I took off every article of my clothing before I used the bathroom? Like, it, do you That's think so people, cool. someone that? <laughs> That's so cool, bro. Yeah. I, I have, this is going to take away a big closure of mine in stand-up, <laughs> but I actually realized that, like, you can tell how bad a poop is by how much clothes you have on when you're done. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. I've heard of people like taking off their shirt so that they're so warm yeah, as they have this bowel movement. Oh like. my God. I, I've never heard that. Oh, I, you haven't had, have you not had like the You've worst? You've never been naked after poop? <laughs> no. That's no. so weird. You're so weird. Yeah, come on. Honestly, and then like the extension of that bit is like me being like, and you know it's really bad if your phone's on the counter because that means you had to like think about it. <laughs> You're not even mindlessly scrolling through like Instagram or something. You have I've to had that experience where like I have to put my phone down because it's such an intense poop. Like I have like... you ever prayed? <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm no longer agnostic. You're real. Help me. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta like bend down. It's so bad. Like the bending down helps a little bit, oh my and, God. and then you just like put your hands together. Wait, it's like now, <laughs> if there's a I, God, <laughs> if you can hear me. I um I haven't prayed yet. Um. <laughs> yet. <laughs> but I'm really open-minded. <laughs> right. Well, we could talk about. Uh, do you use any religious motifs in your film at all? I know a lot of your stuff. You. You could say it is is more comedic, so I think it kind of naturally might go to there. Um, I definitely do like jokes and stuff about like religion and stuff. Judaism has become like more important to me like culturally and has like been like something where it's like, oh, I'm not like a piece of white bread. Right. I have like a culture and like a history behind me mm-hmm. that I like have grown to appreciate more. Um, I, th- I think also, like, death to me is a form of, like, okay, this is gonna, so here's, a lot of my work has to do with death, which does tie into, like, I think religion, because 
death is the only mythology we have left because all religion now is centered by like basically like stuff after living because we have explained everything else and mythology comes i'm not explaining i've explained this a lot better (laughs) podcasts yeah but basically mythology used to explain everything so it's like why does the sun come up like what's happening and it like Mm -hmm. gives these religious like explanations for it Mm-hmm. And as Closure. we've moved as a society, we have science. So the only thing we really don't have answers to, like scientifically, is religion. So it's the only true... Because Christianity is a mythology. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Judaism's a mythology. Like is everything's a mythology. And the only thing it's really centered around is death because it's the only thing we don't know. So I think that kind of fascinates me and ties back to religion. And that's why I'm so interested in death because it's the only thing we don't know. So the views we have on death are, like, really captivating yeah. and something I think that, like, says a lot about, like, human psychology and where we're at. Yeah, and it's very varied to death, but all of these mythologies are basically grand narratives that, like, if you're a writer, I think you, it, it does help a lot. And you kind of unintentionally start tapping into that, those sort of things anyway. Yeah. So yeah. I like, think... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Keep going. Go. Go, 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 go. No, you go. No, you go. No, <laughs> you go. No, you go. Okay, I'll go. Uh, exactly. No, I, I, mean, I was just going to say, like, uh, for me, uh, what's so interesting is it, it's exactly what you're saying, but I, I determine it in the term of belief, you know, uh, uh, and how yeah. belief can be a synonym for anything in life. And so, essentially, like, the mythology of, like, let's say who your father is or the belief of blah, 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 or who you are, or it, it's all the same thing, you know? Uh, it's all just what you choose to believe. I I kind of agree, but I also think that like there is like a certain objective nature that we have just established. So I think like belief, like because I actually think a lot about like the like the, when I was younger, I kind of came to this realization that only one religion could be right. So how mm-hmm. can you fully believe it's your religion? Mm-hmm. Like I like I don't understand how someone can believe in something so fully with like no backing. Versus I think like stuff that's like. I believe this is my dad. Well, I, I think it becomes then not the literal sense of, of believing in the religion, like specifically, oh, like there is a Christian God out there. I think just in general, uh, it, it it becomes good for you to know like, oh, maybe I should be like just good to my mom or dad or maybe I should, you know, be good to my family and, and friends and hopefully that sort of narrative attached to you rather than you focusing on, well, in the afterlife, am I going to meet a prince? Uh, uh, I want to, I want to see Jesus. Like, like, I mean, I want to <laughs> meet Jesus. I want to shake Jesus' hands. <laughs> I want to get his autograph. But hopefully that m- motivates you to be a good person at the same time, you know? <laughs> but if you even think about like where Christianity came from, it came from like Judaism and it was like kind of like an easy pill to swallow and it gave an answer to like, if I do this, I'll get this. And I feel like it's like religion. Like, so like for me, Christianity inherently comes from a place where it's like, you're only doing good. I think as an organized thing, as an organized religion, not interpersonally, I think it comes from a place of um, oppression and like doing stuff to get something. Yeah. Uh, I'm Jewish (laughs) (laughs) But back to death and how 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 you approach it in your scripts. 
well, what are some recent projects that you're applying that to and you can talk about more specifically? It's hard because I think the script I'm working on right now doesn't have to do too much with death. I definitely want to play with the ideas like of funeral scenes because they're really fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. So I may have like something with that or like fake funerals. But I've always kind of just done stuff that is about death. I've always been like an edgelord secretly. (laughs) (laughs) You must venture into being an edgelord before you know all the knowledge afterwards. (laughs) I looked into the abyss, but Mm -hmm. because I like a lot of like my old work is about death. I'm not, I don't know. I wasn't, it's going to sound really bad to say, but I'm so stuck in my thesis right now that I'm not like articulating like, because it's not necessarily death that I... It, I think a lot of times I take something that's, like, dumb or silly to me about, like, society or, like, something I have to deal with or something that I see people have to deal with, and I just exaggerate mm-hmm. that to the point of, like, no return. Like, so for Red Scare, which is a film I did, it's about a girl who, like, parents are in the family business of murder, but she doesn't want to join the family business, and it's kind of just like this over-the-top metaphor mm-hmm. for like, like I want to do art, but your parents are like, yeah. no, mm-hmm. be a doctor. Yeah, yeah. So it was like kind of like using something that's like a taboo in order to explain how like barbaric a certain like line of thinking is to me, which isn't like, but like it's like kind of like on the nose, so it's not like that hashtag deep. No, but I think that's interesting because uh, I, it's always interesting to break everything down to what it means. Uh, as as humans as a barbaric uh, uh qualities that we have you know our our our, our human nature is often uh, s- silly and stupid <laughs> uh yeah and very and, specific yeah to our situation so i think that exaggeration helps a lot one thing that was like said to me that i think i like haven't forgot is um kind of like when i would i love uncanny stuff and Ben O'Brien was talking. He was um, he was talking about, it and he was like, "It's these simple things that we can break, where it's like everything's normal and there's one thing off. So like, if I was teaching you and I went into the corner and I wasn't facing you guys, but everything else was normal, it's like breaking this rule we created. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, that always like stuck with me, which is this idea of like, because I think good comedy comes from that, where it's like taking something that's a norm and like misdirecting it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like 100% that's all I know how to do <laughs> I can't <laughs> do a joke but that's I all I can do is just be like well this is something nobody else would be willing to do or nobody else does or anything like it, it we've normalized all this other stuff so if I just spit out food when I'm eating food uh, instead of actually swallowing it, then it's it's different. <laughs> and I think that's, like, kind of, like, where, like, uncanny comes from. Because it's, like, taking one thing, like, a role we have and just breaking it so it's slightly off. When you go off into that, like, off reality right there where, where you exaggerate something to the point where uh, it's not real in our reality, is there still... I, I, I do think there's still truth in what is happening there no yeah and i think that's like i realize a lot of my work i really like is magical realism Mm -hmm. and like a lot of it even comes with this like improv principle which is kind of like don't make new crazies match the crazy and escalate the crazy Mm -hmm. and i think like with like like combining like that principle of comedy with like magical realism where it's like what's it's like feels real but there's something off in order to like tell a point or like using sci-fi and fantasy in order to like like be like this is what i want to say 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just making something off in order to make a point yeah. is what I like to do in my work where it's like everything can be fine, but then it's just like what happens if we just move the pieces? Like if like God came down and was like, I'm going to take out hair. <laughs> <laughs> the hair doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Yeah, but but you're like a point. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wrote this short story recently where it was about this girl who was, um, who's like, it starts with her mom brushing her hair and different people in her life come in and brush her hair and you realize it's her going through like the different stages of death and the way the person handles the hair says a lot about like their relationship with her. Oh, I like that. That was kind of fun. It (laughs) kind of, it's, that was, it was, it wasn't funny. (laughs) I don't know what the joke is yet. It, there was no joke. It was actually just kind of serious. I think the framework of, like, if you truly understand how to make jokes or at least something funny, you can, that is, I think that's still in the same vein of, like, people who do sci-fi or people who do horror and stuff. It's just, the main goal isn't to make something, like, funny or, like, to induce laughter. It's very much something else, but you're still doing that, like, change. Oh, did you... Are we going to talk about how horror and comedy are linked? Yeah, we can. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's go off. Here, that's the segment. Because <laughs> um, horror and comedy are very similar for... Because it's both are the buildup of tension, but the release is different. Mm-hmm. And both, to me, are body genres. Because both, you could say, it's so good I pissed myself. Nice. <laughs> you know? Both is like kind of based on like a reaction. So they're, mm-hmm. like, very similar, and I think, like, that's, like, why Jordan Peele is so good at horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because he mastered comedy. I think there's a lot of coincidences between them that are not actual coincidences. That's, like, like if you're following it, you can really piece together that these two things are, like, very similar. So, like, when you do stand-up, right, why do people say uh, when you do really good, you killed them? You killed it. You crushed and it. And when you fu- when you when you when you don't, you bombed. You bombed. Because you you went too far with it somehow in that. But it's still that very like like violent <laughs> those violent. Yeah, terms it's very it. violent. Yeah. And I like like I came in I my college essay was how I wanna make the horror genre better. Mm-hmm. And then like I came in a mic and I got into comedy and I've always been through these phases of being more into horror comedy. Mm-hmm. I think like at a time and it's always just been like I love both and it's like comedy because like yeah like with crushing and like like the language behind comedy it's very like violent because I think that like comics are depressed <laughs> usually course, yeah. no yeah I, I completely agree with that but th- th- there's some people who would argue like oh well, we're not all depressed but like I think to really understand people and to really understand uh, human condition like you really have to get into the depths of like your own psychology. We're existential. Because I think comedy comes from experience. Right, that too. Mm-hmm. And experience doesn't necessarily mean bad. Yeah, true. But 100%. like a lot of times it tends to delve into that. That's like the stuff that's interesting. And like I think that's also like a big factor of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, and I also think like in terms of like culturally in stand up, like I think a lot about like. Jews do stand up and like their Jews are seen as funny people. And I was like thinking about that going like a little back to like the religion. And the thing I think that like is why I think Jews are funny is I think we're in between two culturals because we aren't really white and we definitely aren't like people of color. Yeah. So we mm-hmm. exist in the middle of a very divided kind of like culture right now. 
So I think we have like both perspectives because we can blend into what we have to blend into mm-hmm. in the moment. So I think that's like why a lot of times Jews are funnier is because we can like observe and experience stuff in two different ways mm-hmm. in like a culture and context. also the whole language of it too, I think. And the, 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 the study of the religion is very intensive as well. Oh, yes. I, th- I think that diligence really, really helps <laughs> in terms what, of just the like, work ethic. You can see the grander narratives. You can experience all of that. And so you can relate more and then make jokes off of them. Yeah, and we question a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times, like, white guys are less funny as they have less experience. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think, like, um, a lot of times, like, black people tend to be funnier because they have more experience. And, like, women, I think, also can be funnier because it's, like, there's a certain awareness Mm -hmm. that I think that, like, a lot of women have to have constantly. Right. Like, one time I was at a bar and this guy doing comedy, this guy was like, you're really aware. And I was like, yeah, I'm a woman in a bar, kind of alone at night. <laughs> yeah, some people can just turn, they could just go on autopilot and just, like, like go to into space. I don't even have to say this. I mean, like, uh, I, I've been in many conversations with people about, like, just looking back at my own culture and being like, like, damn, like, my parents had to immigrate here and had to like kill some of themselves and wear certain masks so that they could survive in other places rather than uh other than rather than others so it's interesting to think about in that context how you've grown up and your circumstances really shape like your art basically and that's kind of obvious but Mm -hmm. and i think it's like kind of like awareness because i think awareness is what brings comedy like I think there's like just like being aware, being existential, like being like all these things where it's like it's like oh I look at things a little differently, you know. Mm-hmm. That's like a lot of where comedy comes from, and that's like where art comes from. And I think like comedy and art are like siblings. Do you think? Do you think <laughs> the the family. one of the connections between those things is truth? Is honesty? No. <laughs> <laughs> just shut down. No, go ahead. <laughs> Why? Um, because I don't think that, like, his, I guess that's like maybe that what connects good comedy and art, but I don't think art and comedy are always truthful. Right, that you can be obscured in like, say, irony. Well, no, I mean like propaganda is like you can still have like propaganda, or you can still have like art that lies. Right. Well, I guess the 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 argument for honesty in art would be was the artist thinking was that their truth, you know, when they were making that propaganda. But, you know, is that their what they think? There's is gradations true. of of truth, but there's also good and bad, which is very blurred, of course. And we're always like, yeah, but like I think you can't say that because I think art isn't inherently necessarily truthful, and comedy is not necessarily truthful for yeah. it to be classified as that. Mm-hmm. I think that's a connection between like usually better art and better comedy, but I don't think that's like something that like is necessarily yeah, inherent. always. Yeah. Which is which is me why I was like no, <laughs> but there's also like no and in that no no ands <laughs> no and but again no but is what the one mm-hmm. sorry conjunction no yet <laughs> oh no mm-hmm. I because like people say like it's funny because it's true and maybe it's like funny because it says the truth like I don't know I have issues with kind of like even when I talk about my sex, sometimes I'm like, I feel like I talk about like vapid stuff, 
like one of my big jokes is about like pooping and squirting. Yeah. <laughs> no, separate, <laughs> separate jokes. No, I, I think it's it, it. The the truth in that is that yes, it's going to be vapid to some people, but other people can see past certain presentations of things and see be like, oh, this is more about I don't know being a woman rather than actual like just like gross shit you know yeah yeah and i think it's yeah with the squirting one definitely it is more about that yeah it's not like me being like here's the first time i squat yeah and it's not like only because it's gross you know like Mm -hmm. (laughs) but some people will like if they're more on autopilot you know they'll they'll just be like oh yeah yeah yeah, it is about squirting. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, it's my, I've, done, I've made a girl do that before. Oh, I know this. <laughs> that's relatable. I mean, I, I, I personally am somebody who uh, really appreciates poop jokes and uh, uh, any 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 humor that is willing. I, I think when you're first starting out to try and be humorous and uh, uh, you're discovering comedy, you're like, oh, you look down at uh, certain jokes and things like that. And you're like, oh... Uh, uh, you know, a poop joke that's so under me or something like that. But I think the the place where you have to arrive at is discovering that, no, the, that is a tool that is, uh, you know, these are things that you can use. These are uh, uh, things that are commonly funny. like uh, uh, Relatable. Yeah, yeah, relatable. You, you started there in do. middle school, presumably, like, oh, f- yeah. fucking fart jokes and the worst of the worst, you know, like... Like there's nothing uh, wrong with doing a a, a a poop or a fart joke. Like even like a, a some, I don't know if you've seen the lighthouse yet, uh, Lily. Uh, no. Which is also uh, I would describe uh, a a a weirdly different blend of horror comedy than we've seen before. Have you seen Parasite? I have. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. I don't know if Gabriel Two movies has. I need to catch up on. <laughs> yeah. But uh, with the lighthouse, there is a, a, a joke throughout the movie, uh, and it's basically a fart joke. It's literally a character just farting uh, throughout the movie. It's it's the baseline fart joke, but that movie's so artfully well done that that is almost a moment of levity. Like, and it works. It just works. It's perfectly timed and it's classically done in a way uh, uh, that is not classy, but it's it's still great. Like. Uh, I don't know, like the it's it shouldn't be looked down as lowbrow. I, I think I think it is just comedy. I'm glad that you said lowbrow because there's lowbrow and high highbrow art like art, and there's lowbrow and highbrow you know comedy and all of these. Sure. And I think there's there's a lot of uh, you know things to do with class, mm-hmm. like class divisions. Yeah, like who with decides that? what's lowbrow and like yeah, exactly. Is, I yeah. think a very interesting argument in that like i don't think that that is like i don't trust anyone who says something's low by lowbrow or highbrow because i think that comes from a place of privilege mm-hmm. usually most times and if it's not like privilege of class it's like shows you've seen already and your concept of comedy or art or whatever i will say though that i think that like i think lowbrow and if i had to define gun to my head Someone right. like define low brow. Okay, I have a gun define right here. Brow. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I can, pull it out. I have my I have my forty on. <laughs> gun gun sound effect. Uh, pew pew. But um, <laughs> if I had to decide, like what was low brow or high brow art, I think it's the thought behind something. 
because whenever I make a joke that's like, like especially something like even like I think that could be mildly offensive, mm-hmm. I always think of like the intention behind it and what it's yeah. trying to say. Of course. And I think if someone has that intention versus not is how I would classify lowbrow and highbrow. If I think I, for like, me that's to. just the difference between a good joke and a, a a mediocre one is like if you if you have like uh, uh because anybody can say you know a racist joke you know anybody yeah. can say like uh, a poop joke like but you have to have some type of thought behind it or some some spin on it that can make it more than that you know mm. and be and then actually in the grander sense be a commentary of why certain people even use racist jokes or poop jokes or mm-hmm. etc yeah but have you guys um you guys know of the artist uh uh takahashi murakami uh the guy that does like the, those like weird a- anime flowers and all that he's like anime okay so he uses like 2d open? anime aesthetic like otaku uh type stuff he worked on kanye's graduation the the cover art for that oh. that guy uh, and his whole thing is about the concept of super flat and changing the line of where uh, lowbrow and highbrow art is. And so he'll have his designs like massive, like uh, just sold on a massive scale, uh, made by factories and stuff for like people to buy plushies for like twenty bucks or something or ten bucks. But then he'll also have it on like Louis Vuitton stuff. That is like, like it, it has that flexibility to be on both or even in the gallery space where you can see it for free. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And I think like that goes into like accessibility in art, which is like a big thing that I think comes up, especially as like film major in the school where it's like, and I think it comes up with an art school film because it's like a lot of times with like stu- fine art, it's like, who do you want to see your art? So then when you get into video that it has like a weird combination of media and art history, it like a lot of students are asked, who who do you want to see your art? Who's mm-hmm. your audience? Yeah, where do you want to start from? Okay, so wh- who who do you think your audience is right now, and what are you trying to? What's the future audience like that you're building up to? Uh, I think my ideal audience, which is something that actually has like kind of been a weird thing for me, because it's usually not who sees a lot of my jokes in general, but probably eighteen to twenty five year old females are my mm-hmm. target audience. Mm-hmm if I had to guess, or if I had to like pick anyone who could be like, okay, everyone, 18, 25 year old females, um, and males too, but like maybe like that kind of age mm-hmm. range is yeah, like the college who I want to see my work. Yeah, and I think like I would want, like I guess like kind of like the reason, I, like the like a baby reason of, for doing art is like I want high school really to see what adult Lily makes and have it be something that inspired her like kind of and like make that like cycle of art continue for someone who's like younger than me yeah yeah and like a very that's like very cliche though but yeah so I think it's like 18 to 25 and like kind of like creating these like experiences and narratives for that because I want my art to be accessible I like validation and people see my shit (laughs) (laughs) I get that Uh, I would say my target audience would be a uh toddlers i'm going for that pewdiepie uh 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 <laughs> i wish that was my real answer uh <laughs> going for that i wish i it was a cog. i i want to make the synecdoche new york of toddler movies uh where it blows a four-year-old's mind and they're just 
they become super super woke a super well i don't know about super i think there's already media that just kind of blows their minds in that way yeah you can you can really you need one that just blows their mind it blows anyone of any age uh no i think in all seriousness my my target age is probably uh probably high school middle school honestly i i think for me yeah it it is about like feeding that person that would be me in that age the media that i i inspired me i I think of course it changes as you grew up but i think i i'm with you you guys uh and especially lily just doing like that sort of like college age group but that i i hopefully i would i would hope that my art practice later on could be so flexible and accessible that it like like me as a four-year-old can look at that and be like yeah yeah i like this <laughs> but you know, you know what's like funny is like because of stand-up the most people who see like my work are like old people yeah uh, yeah like yeah. I don't have, like, the people who I think would like my shit the best are not the people who usually see my shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to, like, have jokes that work for 40-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah, which is, how do you feel about that when you go into it? Um, I think it's, it. well, stand-up has made me really not care about age too much. It kind of made me, like, it's kind of like a power play sometimes I'm like, yeah, I fucking made you laugh. You're fucking 40. <laughs> you could be my fucking mom. I'm tricking you. Like, what? what is, what are you, are you consciously changing anything or is there any conscious decisions or slash things that you feel are different? Uh, I think references. Like, I think that I could have more reference humor if I was in front of, like, people my age. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just, like, some jokes I have where I'm like, this is funny, but I couldn't really be like, like I have this, like this Eminem joke where it's like, to me, the concept of only de- defending Eminem with the song when I'm gone is really funny to me. But you have to like know the song when I'm gone and like yeah. the controversy behind Eminem and like the culture behind that. And so like, I never tell that on stage. Well, a lot of it is about educating the audience like immediately and like in the most concise way. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for me, I don't like to change myself based on the age that I have to the most part, but I am conscious of like the references I do mm-hmm. and like understanding like that. Like I have a joke about being a femme fatale and I have to kind of like, I learned to like open that with kind of like, I want to be like a femme fatale. Like I want to be able to like come up to anyone and be like, hey guys, I just killed my boyfriend after calling him daddy for two months. And you guys would believe it. But, like, said, like, funny or on stage or whatever. Yeah, yeah, But, like, kind of, like, just, like, making it, like, make it. But I have to, like, say what femme fatale is because I can't assume mm-hmm. that yeah. people know what yeah. that is necessarily, even though it's common knowledge to me. Mm-hmm. We're talking about audience, we're talking about just college audiences. A lot of the time, like, big comics right now, or at least a few years ago, like Seinfeld would be like, oh, I never do college campuses. Oh, it's too PC, blah, blah, blah. Like, what do you, how do you feel about that being now in a, in a college campus and bringing humor into here and then sometimes it doesn't work and you've, you said, oh, uh, how have I not been canceled yet? Yeah. Like, stuff like I did, that. Yeah, the joke I, I told before we were recording was, um, I know I'm funny because I haven't been canceled at Micah <laughs> uh, during my time here. Yeah. But... Um, 
to be honest, I think that's like why I think so heavily about intention mm-hmm. in my joke is being in this culture where like if I'm making a joke and it's about like race, then I have to like think of where it's coming from, who I'm punching, like what's happening in it. And it's just like kind of like taking something and being like, if I'm doing something, I have to be saying something that I believe in. So it has mm-hmm. to be like saying something and I'm like, it has to be coming from a place. Cause there, I've had, like I've had edgy jokes that I don't use because they're just like, like I thought of like a priest joke. Uh-huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna say my offensive priest. Joke. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I, I, okay. I, this I is in quotations. <laughs> the teacher allows it. I personally want to hear this because just the idea of a priest joke already. I'm like, all right, I'm in. What's a priest's favorite doll to possess? A tickle me Elmo. That's it. It's not great. It's bad. <laughs> It's not funny. I don't say it. Now let's 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 kill this joke. Let's dissect. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I did dissect in my head. I'm like, have I had experience where a priest molested me? No. <laughs> <laughs> Comma, no. I can Maybe I don't know this. You to had the to go extent. through that checklist of like, let me make sure. Let me really really make sure in my know. mind. That Do that I know has... any priests? <laughs> Do, and am I like, am I the voice being like, hey guys, just so you know, priests molest children. Like, is that my <laughs> call to action? I, I think it's time you knew. I was like, come on, Lily, we know. <laughs> and, like, and then I had like another kind of edgy joke, which this one I stand a little more behind, which is just like being like, I don't get why when people are looking for virgin sacrifices, they always look at college age girls. Do you know there's elementary schools full of them? <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, that's that's they're, fine. They're... That's like a Book of Mormon that joke. One I, yeah, <laughs> like that one I stand by a little bit more. <laughs> they haven't accepted themselves as a super evil person yet. They're just like, well, you know, I could go for barely legal. <laughs> yeah, and I think, that, and I, I, I want to, I'll, I definitely want to go into the idea of like virgin, but like with that one, I, I can defend that one. Right. I can be like, I'm looking at yeah. how we like culturally view like young woman as a young woman who's like viewed in this kind of age range, mm-hmm. and I can like dissect that and like defend it and like bring up like points on like why like oh i would i would even though people aren't gonna laugh because like there's certain things you can't say on stage without people's assholes clenching yeah yeah uh one is bringing up sexuality and children together mm-hmm. which is <laughs> what that does it's it gets it's like tight. a given <laughs> uh, you can say, feel you can, it in the room yeah you yeah. can't also like say rape on stage like it's people like you can of course but like no, you, have, but to, you yeah. have to be aware that people yeah. are going to clench up when you, you say have that. to have yeah. so much nuance mm-hmm. yeah. and i think that's a large part of the job too is just educating yourself to the fullest extent and some people i'd say kind of don't really go that far <laughs> yeah so like and i have a few like race based jokes no one's ever been like lily like don't cuz i've i've thought through them i i have one of my big religion jokes is being Jewish is fun. You can contribute to conversations about race, but not have it affect your life otherwise. Mm-hmm. That's good. Which is like, it's sometimes people don't laugh because they're like, that's a point. But <laughs> yeah. They'll be like, that's a point. But like, if they don't know many Jews or if they're not Jewish, it's kind of like, like oh, I guess. <laughs> that did well at Micah. Yeah. So- oh, I did stand up at Micah before. Oh, yeah, wow. So- nice. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like, first house. How- you view stand up in Micah versus like going to a local bar. Well, I would I would prefer rephrase the question as talk about how it, because that's your target audience, like that's that's basically essentially that's the age range you know you're going for. 
Okay, so it's I had to think through every joke I said a lot carefully, kind of like when you post on like my costume body and you're like, let me just make sure that let me proofread this. Mm-hmm. And I definitely didn't do tell some jokes I sometimes tell. And like also like because like sometimes the way I deal with like also gender and jokes is very like binary because I'm so used to like doing jokes. That is the thing. It's like a lot of times like with gender and jokes, my jokes are very like binary because I'm like dealing with people who don't really think in terms of like gender is like a spectrum. Mm -hmm. So it's just easier for me to just like translate it and communicate this directly and not think about the nuance that there is and like Mm -hmm. not bring that up. So I had to like kind of like sometimes I like rephrase jokes. Mm-hmm. A little bit like where I'm like a little more gender inclusive if I'm at um, if I'm at Micah and I think also just like being like kind of like where each joke comes from like I do more death related jokes when I'm at Micah because that's kind of like where we're at like I do like less like dicey shit so there's like it's just self awareness and like also like kind of just like believing that like that's like you like just anything I s- say on stage I want to be able to stand by. So I kind of hold that over to Micah. But I don't know if Micah's my ideal audience for stand-up. <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of age range, it's a college crowd you're playing at. But I'm assuming it's like it's an art crowd. Uh, uh, yeah. It's a specific niche of people that it's yeah. not like full. And I can get away with a lot <laughs> on stage, actually. I've discovered that I have, I people just don't, like I've gone They're not tuned in as much as you are. No, 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 no. It's just I'm this is gonna be narcissistic. I'm pretty likable on stage. Uh (laughs) I don't come off as a threat. I don't have very aggro energy. So I can get a little bit of a pass. Like people like don't heckle when people heckle me. They're like, keep going. You're doing fine, sweetie. They aren't like, (laughs) fuck you. You know what I mean? Like people want to root for me. (laughs) It's patronizing, but they root for me in the end. So I can have, like, this leeway to tell jokes that I think other people, uh, males especially, don't have as much leeway on that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I can get away with more than men or, like, more than a lot of my peers when I tell jokes. Yeah. Well, it's great. <laughs> Use that to your advantage. Yeah. Like, I like I had this joke that, um, like, kind of about, like, when I rap, I say, like, um, fella instead of, like, the N-word because I'm, like, white. <laughs> and I like that. Like, <laughs> And the punchline's like, it's kind of awkward because now I can't say fella with a hard R anymore. <laughs> which is like... Feller. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, but like, and I like, I was like, kind of like, I was talking to like, kind of like, a, like my like black medium friends. So I was like, I want to, before I do this, I want to make sure I'm like punching right. And even though I trust my awareness, I want to have like perspective of like mm-hmm. people who are black and shit. So yeah. I like asked them. And they were like, one of my friends was like, you can get away with this, but like if anyone else, like if other people who weren't you said it, like I would be like, nah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because especially if you go on multiple times and they kind of know you already, they built that relationship with you. They, they kind of have faith that you can, that you know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Versus like if like kind of like a like plain like white men went on stage and told the same joke. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't. It would feel di- it would feel different, and it's kind of this hits like, different. It's a privilege I have yeah. in stand up, where it's like I I've been very lucky with it. Like people have been like really taking on to me, mm-hmm. and I'm like this has been really fun. And I was like I don't know, like I'm a very lucky bitch. <laughs> do you feel that responsibility in art as much as you do in stand up? That's a good question. Because this is self imposed, right? Like. 
like many people would just be like, you don't have to defend yourself. It's your art. Yeah. Um. I think. Well. Okay. Culturally, I grew up weird because I grew up on 4chan and I grew up on Tumblr. Right. So I <laughs> that duality. <laughs> I have. A, I feel like I have a duality that I think some other people don't, which is like I've seen both sides, like ideology, and that like kind of like we're in the split. Mm-hmm. Like I've been. I I've like know both sides very like intimately, mm-hmm. and I'm like educated enough to know like what is okay and what isn't okay. But I also kind of like can put some of like the that aside when I'm dealing with other people because one I'm also like am essentially a white woman so I come from a place where I can deal with like some shit that I feel like if I had to deal with it all the time I couldn't Mm -hmm. so I can kind of like be like I can kind of like be an educating voice versus Mm -hmm. like a like having to deal with it so interpersonally but also oh man I don't know it's just I do. I, I love that you said <laughs> educate because I do think it is a lot of education. And like the best teachers I've ever had are like hilarious people. And so I it, they, they are encouraging and that I want to hear more because they're making me laugh and like giving me that. But they're also giving me like something more. It's like this knowledge that I don't have, but I trust them that they're given that they're imparting this in a genuine way. Yeah. What was your question again? It's fine. We're just flowing. <laughs> okay. Good. But I, I thought it was very interesting that you brought up Tumblr and 4chan because I feel like yeah, in, in similar ways, people have their sort of parallel to that, whether it be like maybe not 4chan, but just gaming, being in like an online yeah, community yeah, yeah. where like people are anonymously posting as like in a similar way or just being online and doing that cuckoo, like that poo-poo caca middle school humor but it's yeah. like you know it's funny to someone yeah and i think it's just like having that duality like is something because i think a lot of mica people can't do stand-up because they a lot of mica people cannot take the like environments that stand-up is yeah like, they just shut it off because they can't see the nuances of it or it's actually really bad it both <laughs> yeah it's bad. There's mm-hmm. stuff that is not okay in stand-up. And it's kind of, if you look at it culturally, it's bars late at night. A lot of times you're the only woman. I've hosted an open mic and I have to make a rule where I'm like, hey, if you talk about my body, you aren't allowed on stage anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I've had to like just kind of like do shit to like kind of be like, there's just ways that you're treated if you're a woman that you aren't treated like if you're a man. Mm-hmm. And um, a guy came up behind me while I was at an open mic and like strangled me. What? <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait. See, it's d- like d- set the you, you story. can exist in the world. Like, fucking, you can. If you're that guy, you exist in the world where you think this is like a funny little thing that you're doing, like a l- funny joke, and then you go and put. Your hand. Yeah, like he That's... was like he came up to me. He was like, "You look like a victim in an Eminem song. Like you like look, look look like a perfect victim. Like, do you want to play a victim in a video?" And I was like, "What? Tell <laughs> <laughs> me a little crazy. <laughs> I don't like being called a victim." Like, I don't like being told I look like I'm a victim. You like, look like you could be strangled. Yeah. And he, then I was talking to my friend. He's like, he come up behind me and he strangled me. And then he was like, see what I mean? And I was like, and everyone was like, dude. And I was like, see what I mean? See what I mean? No, I could actually strangle you right yeah. now. I'm like, I didn't even react because I was like, this isn't happening. At mo- like, right now, like, this is not happening. Like, this can't be. Like, I'm not being strangled right now. Like, this is just, it was surreal. And then I was like, and he, and I'm also like, 
first of all, do you see what I mean? I didn't react. I wasn't like, ah. Like, I was just, yeah. I, I kind of took it too well, actually. <laughs> but if anything, I was like, now I'm kind of, I was like weird for a while where if like people just like come up to touch my back, I'm like, ah. Yeah. You're trying to strangle me. <laughs> <laughs> you can come back at any moment. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, I'm like, bro. <laughs> He's crazy. Anyway, but like I've just like experiences like that. Like just this creepy guy asked me out on like stage before the first time he asked, met me. He was like, "Do you shave your vagina?" And I'm like, "Bro, bro." I'm like, and then like and then like he was like, "I'm sorry for doing that." And he was holding on his hand, and he, I was like, "I'm not like I'm like I appreciate your apology, but like I'm not like holding your hand." And he was like, "Is it because I'm black?" And I'm like. Come on! I'm like, come on! I was like, fuck off! Like, <laughs> like, like, just you're making this a race thing, so I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's just there's so many like, like, just kind of like moments where you're just like in your head, you're like, if I was a guy, I wouldn't have to deal with this. Mm-hmm. But then there are advantages where it's like because I'm a woman, I stand out. Sure. Mm-hmm. I like, I get like I get like certain things seen more, and I get. Like, and people are kind of, like, nicer to me a lot of the times because I have younger sister energy. But then also I have, like, this other side where it's just, like, oh, I'm sexually, like, harassed. Right. (laughs) So. And that duality is interesting. And from that standpoint, you can be, like, a voice of reason to people because, like, I I always thought it was very interesting in in your stand-up that people do see that younger sister, but the subversion there is you you say some nasty shit sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you came on a, like, particularly dirty day, I remember. (laughs) That was a dirty day. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it's, like, I think a lot of my stuff that talks about sex isn't me talking about, like, getting fucked. It's, like, me kind of dealing with, like, sex as I, like, become, like, like because I'm like like I as I become a woman and deal with like sex is like a thing that like is projected so much on women mm-hmm. and like there's so many standards and like so much that's like being forced at you and like what you're supposed to do and it's like kind of coming from this place of like being new to this and like trying to process this mm-hmm. like what's thrown at me like con- I feel like con- what's thrown at a lot of women constantly where it's like like I was even like hanging out with my friends and they were like men can be like seen as sexy for what they do but for women it's like wh- how they look mm-hmm. right. like i feel like there's and even like with like studies of women in comedy and like how like men when men are like i'm looking for someone funny it's someone who laughs at their joke and when women are like i'm looking for someone funny it's someone who makes them laugh like like, uh, like yeah, a- sure. on average mm-hmm. and i think I, I just think a lot about the gender divide within comedy and like and, like, a lot of the nuance I think that men miss is it's, like, oh, if women want to do comedy more, it's, like, open. Why don't they do comedy more? And I'm, like, maybe look at the environment that's created within stand-up and look that it's not safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you can take all of these experiences and this basically the whole conversation and you can twist it so it's it, – you can make horror out of this. It, it, these are, like, horrific experiences that you can either turn into like something that produces uh, comedy and and funny but also like um like it just reveals that darkness and how you feel like like without exaggeration or exaggeration to the point where you can you can viscerally feel it yeah and it's and it's like not to be saying like like there are so many men in the scene who have treated me so fucking nice and there's so many people in the baltimore comedy scene are like 
sweethearts mm-hmm. and they're sweeties and sometimes they're a little edgy for Micah but they're sweeties <laughs> and it's just it's this weird nuance and it's like kind of also like realizing like the only way I can call shit out is by being funny like sometimes if a guy has a really gross set before me I'm like and I'm on after him I'm like hell yeah I'm gonna repeat what he said but in my voice so people know how ridiculous he sounds yeah and it's like funny like this one guy like had this whole set about like getting his dick stuck with like fried chicken and it was like a lot it was a lot of energy and i came off it's like anyone here like getting their dick sucked with and it's just like i'm like you men don't realize how ridiculous they sound until someone who sounds like an eight-year-old says it sometimes right (laughs) i really i'm curious on the the, the, we was it he was eating fried chicken while getting his dick sucked or was fried chicken skin was on his cock while his dick was stuck okay okay (laughs) (laughs) you heard it here from chez it's a no (laughs) that's a that's a no from me but his whole set was like it's good guys (laughs) guys believe me and that's and like to be honest that's more of an antidote so it wasn't really that bad but it was Mm. just like man just say shit like it just pisses me off when it's like there's this thing it's like women only talk about sex so do men Mm-hmm. most men only talk about sex on stage only talk about women but there's so few like female comedians that what one does is judge for others like men just talk about their dicks yeah. it's just all about their dicks and the fact they can't get fucked it, yeah and you're in in a in a in a place that it's n- it's not like certain people are still probably doing their set and they're trying new things and they're probably new to the scene when you look at like stand up in like Netflix or something, it's like super different. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people don't are oh, uh, don't yeah. they, most people don't know that like two worlds of like yeah, yeah yeah yes there's a scene where you go to a bar and it's late night and you go there and people are just talking shit. But then you, you can also find on the comfort of your own home like Dave Chappelle doing like a stellar set that you didn't see that he practiced a million times over in several different places. In order to get it like spot on, mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely yeah. There is definitely like, I think yeah, because I think that's with a lot of art. You only see the good stuff, so that like the like learning process of it is like kind of seen as like oh this person's bad when it's just like as Jake from Adventure Time says, <laughs> to be good at something you have to suck first. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that was a huge advantage in, when I started standing up was I do art so i've learned the process of sucking like i the first time i made a film was the end of first semester freshman year i didn't even fucking think about films till that point in my life and i was like yeah and i like kind of like i I definitely feel like a little guilty like am i a fake fan but um Mm -hmm. no (laughs) but like discovered things yeah yeah but like kind of just like I like the thing of like like I it took me so long to learn how to illustrate and draw that I like was I remember starting filming like fuck I'm gonna have to suck again <laughs> I'm gonna have to like and I was like oh and then like doing that twice with stand up I it made it easier to understand it's okay to be bad mm-hmm. right yeah and it, I mean this is a simulation of uh, having a constant reminder that you're bad and you need to improve right so when you have critiques it's the same thing as bombing on stage. Iron out your art, I'd say. Yeah, no, like I have ate some dicks on stage. Right, and not with fried chicken wraps. Yeah, around no. Them. 
Well, just, that was a good callback. It was just bad. <laughs> Can we talk about how 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 smart that callback was, Gabriel? <laughs> Can we talk about how smart Chess is? Yeah. Oh, let's damn. Just, oh my god. He would win in a brain fight, Einstein <laughs> or Chess. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say to like someone who's aspiring to do stand up now and like like where stand up now you can see like people do starting off in like Vine now Vine's gone but like uh, yeah freaking TikTok now or well YouTube follow me on TikTok uh, it's Giddy Spanks <laughs> it's Giddy Spanks yeah um, it's good content but so there's different things I say to different people people it, the cool thing about stand up is people think I'm cool because of stand up like people are like you're brave you're so calm and I'm like instead of me and adults and be like I'm a student I'm like oh I do stand up and they respect me mm-hmm. yeah they're like I could never do that. And I'm like, yeah, bitch. Yeah, but to be honest. It becomes like a talent to them because like when you go to art school and you're an artist and you see other people that are painters and whatnot and you happen to be a painter, it's like you're not going to be as like jazzed about them at, if they were like a musician or something else yeah. that you totally don't lack or you'd think you don't lack the connections to do that. Well, stand-up is also an incredibly, like, even more vulnerable, I, I think. Than, it's super vulnerable. Yeah, because you, you have to be... You are present. I think you people are, are dramatic stage. about that. Yeah. Really? No, but, really? like, it, 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 no, I, it, I think it does stem from their knowledge of what they think stand-up is. To, to I guess, the un, uninitiated, like, if you're seeing someone who's just on a mic and just talking alone, like... Some people can't even, like, talk for, like, five minutes just to, like, a crowd of, like, five people, right? Yeah. Or they they see that and they think they're improvising that whole thing. That they're just yeah, talking. Yeah, true. Oh, when yeah. really it's a very deliberate, very, like, on-point process with beats and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, when, like, okay, so here's what I would say to someone who wanted to do stand-up comedy. Go to your local open mic, one that isn't signed up by, like, list order, but signed up by, like, like, in Baltimore, it's, like, basically, like, who you know mm-hmm. and, like, how well you're known and, like, by when you get up. So it's, like, kind of, like, putting on a good show. And then at some point in the night, you're going to see so many people eat a dick. And then you're going to see the one dude who's really so bad that you're, like, this doesn't even matter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That when you go up, it, like, kind of helps. Because, like, you've not made... You, most people who are interested in stand-up have told a bad joke in front of five people. Mm-hmm. It's that, like... It's that same feeling, but, like, kind of, like, with a mic and, like, also five people, usually, by the time you go up your first time. <laughs> True. So it's kind of just, like... It's, like, kind of just, like, accepting. like It's just, like, kind of, like, I think going to the point of no return where it's, like, you see that one guy who goes up and you're, like, well, this doesn't matter anymore. you got to accept a bad crit. Sometimes you get that. Yeah. And it's fine. Like, it doesn't, like, doing bad at open mic doesn't matter. Like, I actually have trouble bringing friends to open mic because I know how much they can just suck. Like, I'm I'm fine if it's just strangers and comics. I, I found, like... When we were doing that quite a while ago, I found that it's super interesting seeing how people, how people bomb and react to bombing, uh, I, I, even though they were not necessarily Dave Chappelle. I didn't really expect that, you know. Like, how do I respond to bombing? Because I think you've seen—I don't think you've seen me have a really great set. I've seen you do very good. Is the thing when what? Because I don't like. I remember every time <laughs> when, you've seen when me. When did I do very good? <laughs> Because I remember just feeling shitty every time you seen me because it was all, it's just like. Well, that's your self-critique process. It's like I got like, 
I brought someone here from Micah. I want to do it. I want to do them good, you know, like. Yeah. Because you came to, like, Sidebar and Zissimo's. Yeah. And I think, like, I think when I eat it, I think I eat a dick pretty gracefully. I I think, I, I you know, I don't have a lot of experience in this, but I would imagine that it, it would be a similar thing to, like, if you really believed in what you were saying and that energy you were putting out onto people, like, you, you wouldn't necessarily care if you bombed or not as much as if you were, like, very anxious about it or didn't have much experience on it or all that, you know? Yeah, like, for me, it's, like, if it's an open mic and there's no... Fr- I don't care if I bomb that much. Like, I, of course I want to do well because it's, like, an, it's a high. Mm-hmm. Like, I was listening to, like, Elevate by, like, Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. And I was, like, like drug- and I was, like, oh, I get it. Like, I know that sounds cliche, but, like, I get what he's talking about. Mm. I always get that with Kendrick. I am constantly going back to albums and being, like, yeah. damn, you can relate this narrative to literally anything in your life if, if, you, if you just have to be tuned in. Yeah. That's what good but- art does. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and, no, no, but I think that's why some things are funny, too. It's, like... You, someone is giving you a perspective that you've never really understood before until now. But at the same time, it, it specifically. is a perspective that is um, so relatable and understandable that anybody can get it at any time. Like that's the that's the the beauty of art, I, in my opinion. Like it's it's super accessible, but at the same time, it's not until it is. Yeah, I like that. That's kind of I like. I like what you said. <laughs> Thank <good>. you. Great. <laughs> I don't know. And I think it's just kind of like I have all these like uncoherent thoughts about art that constantly bobble around my fucking monkey skull all the time. And it's just like even like going back, like I'm going to like listen to this podcast in the future and be like, this is what I believed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's I constantly it so changing, sp- hopefully. Yeah. This yeah. is growth. Soon you'll be like, man, that that fried chicken uh, dick uh, joke was really good. I I can't believe I. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't realize genius. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, I'm gonna be like Such with a, a guy in five take. years. It's like I'm gonna be with a guy in five years. Like, and our sex life is dying. I'm gonna be like, so fried chicken, <laughs> and we're gonna fall in love again. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a good point. Yeah, I, mean, I was like, gonna say that's a good wrap up point. Yeah. I, I well. Us even doing this podcast is like, how how can we make sure that like by episode like fifty or whatever, like if we go back to episode one, we're not being like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have said that, or maybe uh, this was a horrible thing to yeah. Can say. you edit out uh, the pre-stroke? <laughs> yeah, we could, we, we could do that <laughs> if you legitimately wanted that. Yeah, of yeah, course, yeah. We'll see how it plays. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can send you it. You yeah, know, like. Okay. Oh god, I I feel like I just babbled on sometimes. That's no, fine. This, that, that's, this is that's what the what podcasting is. is. It's Gabriel's job to make this sound good. He's gonna edit this one, so. It sucks, and it's taking longer than I thought it would. It is, uh... <laughs> Release this podcast, but edit out all my parts. It <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> all of it. All right. So, uh, Lily, you want to plug uh, where people can find your work? So. Uh... You can follow me on Instagram at lily underscore um underscore arts, two L's. Also, you can just like look up Lily Sparks and you'll find it because that's my name. You can, I have a website called lilysparks.com. Yeah, I got it. I got that domain. 
<laughs> your last name is brilliant. I was gonna say, I forgot to bring up because I didn't know your last name was Sparks until yesterday when Gabriel mentioned it. And I was like, that's her last name, Sparks? But like the thing is, I like to think if someone really knows me, they know that if I had to make a stage name for myself, I would never pick Sparks, yeah. which is why I like it. You know what I mean? Like that's not the like energy I give off, but it was like, that's just like the energy I was born with. Yeah, <laughs> you have to work with it's that. It's been allotted to you. God gave. God said perform. Yeah, yeah. God says spark Sparks. it up. <laughs> Blaze it. Um, follow me on TikTok at Giddy G-I-D-D-Y. S-P-A-N-K-S. Yeah, that's my poor name. And <laughs> um, if you're in Baltimore and you want to go to Zissimo's, I host the first and third Sunday open mic called Breakdown Mike. Yeah. Sorry, that's a lot of plugs I just thrown you'll, in. You'll advertise no, 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 yeah, your that's good. Instagram. All right, Gabriel, where can people find your work? My work? Yeah, you gotta plug, <laughs> you gotta plug, you gotta I, plug everybody. Well, stuff? you plug your website or something. Uh, just, just Gabriel Chez. Instagram, GabrielChez.com. Website is fine. We just have show notes. <laughs> All right, you can find uh, me at youtubecom slash pounditboy. Uh, and uh, that 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 was our uh, university talk, everybody. Remember, everybody, uh, don't smell your kids. Class, uh, dis- class dismissed. Don't. Don't make priest jokes. <laughs>